We're saying bye-bye to some morons and giving a jolt to the world to come. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. We are giving you a very big variety of movies this week, both on your couch, but also in the cinema. And some, which we're going to kick off by talking about, some we can't even see just yet, but we're going to give you a little bit of a preview and and a few thoughts around that. It's an interesting week for movies, isn't it? Because it's kind of precursoring a massive week for movies next week, which is obviously the week that I'm having off. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like next week there's like, you know, it's DC versus Disney. You know, we get Dwayne Johnson versus The Suicide Squad. It's 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 The Rock versus Cena next yeah. week at the box office. I mean, that's one way to look at it. Uh, and he's and he's taken his shots back at Diesel in the in the press this week, so there's that to look at. But of course, you know, this week uh, the big release is debatably the big release is as the M Night Shyamalan movie. It's it's mm. old. Which I mean, it's you know, it got made very quietly, very quickly. It seems very easily. It's, it must presumably have been done during the pandemic. Yeah. It's a relatively small, isolated location, small cast as well. So it's quite possible. Um, shrouded in secrecy, we don't really know what the mystery is. Um, it's not screening until you know hours after we're recording right now. Now, just to just to spoil the mystery a little for you, we record this on a Thursday afternoon so that it goes out for Friday morning. Spoiler um, alert: Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so we I think we we can't tell you though in this ca- in this instance, and this is a very rare rare case that this is happening. Um, if this is because the movie is bad, or if it's because it's an M Night Shyamalan movie and hence is shrouded in secrecy, because it could yeah. be either one. Yeah, and normally when when you get no screenings and mm. there is just one, and it is the night before release. You kind of go, it's going to be a bit of a turkey. But you're right. I understand why you're kind of going, because it's M. Night Shyamalan. It might be, you know, something that is, you know, it feels like Cloverfield-esque kind of like secrecy that is shrouded around this. Like, it's like, what's going on? Is there build up? But actually, weirdly, there's been no build up on this. Um, I've not seen a lot advertised. I've not, you know, there's not a lot of news about it. There's no anticipation. It's just going to land. And I don't know how that's going to work in the UK, particularly in this kind of post, post-pandemic world that we're in. Well, this is the thing, because I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this one, because it seems to be sort of a Jordan Peelish kind of setup. It does have that sort of us kind of feel about it. And mm. this is like a family going to like a remote beach, and I think the kids start to grow old rapidly, and they, they then notice that they themselves, the parents, are also ageing. And I think there's they've got like uh, a, a fellow family, of, also their friends who are joining them. And it, it looks quite, you know, interesting. It looks quite Twilight zone like, I'm yeah. up for that. Like, Shyamalan's yeah. giving me some Twilight Zone action. Actually, aesthetically, it looks weirdly like that uh, reboot of Fantasy Island from about <laughs> a year and a half ago that, that I strangely liked and no one else cared about. That the one, one with, with Michael Mackie Pena Q. was in it, right? Yes, the one where Michael Pena is Mr. Rock. Yes. How is that movie not talked about more? I think it's the Sky premiere, like, now-ish. Well, I'll tell you one thing about that. They definitely didn't screen that movie, <laughs> and it was that bad. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't, and it was a Blumhouse movie, which shocks me. I mean, that's another one. This is Shyamalan. It's Universal Distributing. Is this one Blumhouse as well? Because he's seems to have thrown his hat so. in with Blumhouse lately. Maybe I, that's why I'm getting that Jordan Peelish vibe off of it. 
maybe, maybe. See, that's the thing, you're getting conditioned just because you know <laughs> all those little flags and signals going, oh, it's got to be good because it's China Man. You know, I, I, I have to be honest, I think M. Night China Man is a bit hit and miss. And oh yeah, totally. He to- yeah. To- that's, that's that's not a hot take. That is okay. that is oh. just that is just the status quo. Yeah, no, no, that, is, that so, is it. Um, there is there is not a person alive, including M Night Shyamalan himself, who likes all of M Night Shyamalan's work. Yeah, I get you. I get you. And this is the thing: is that I'm. That's why I'm not actually that like bothered mm. about this. I'm kind of like. Wait and see yeah. what happens. You know, I've Could got go that way. If you feel. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. look, I think if you catch it this weekend, we'd love to know what you think. Um, you can obviously let us know. Um, we'll obviously catch it at some point. I'll try and catch it whilst I'm on holiday. And um, maybe we'll just do a little bit of a, a, a take on what we thought of it at some point when relevant, when it's linked in maybe with something else that we are talking about, just to kind of throw back to it, I think. I mean, it'd be on streaming in a few weeks, I'm, I'm sure. So we'll get the chance to talk about this again. Uh, you know, Fine, we'll it, do it It's going to happen, yeah. <laughs> in the meanwhile, though, let's talk yeah. about a movie that we have, actually, because obviously the rest of the movies out this week we have had the chance to see. Um, so let's, let's talk then about our first one. Do you want to talk to us about uh, The World to Come? Yeah, so when when Van said to me, the world to come, it's kind of like Ammonite. I was like, oh, shudder. Here we go. What, is, <laughs> what am I going to be watching? But it stars, uh, well, the big names are Vanessa Kirby and Casey Affleck that's in this. And it's kind of, for me, I have to say, it feels a little bit setting-wise is kind of Little House on the Prairie style, Midwestern. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 19th century rural yeah. America, isn't it? Incidentally, yeah. by the way, um, Catherine Waterston yes. is kind of regarded as, I, I don't think she is a big deal, but she is kind of regarded as one. In what circle? Because of all the movies she's been in, like, uh, uh, oh God, what was the P.T. Anderson one? In, in Oh God, Inherent Vice. There was Inherent Vice a few years ago, then she wound up in Alien Covenant. She was doing those sort of, you know, those PTA adjacent indie films. Like she okay. was talked about as if as if a big deal. And her having the lead here opposite Vanessa Kirby, being where Vanessa Kirby currently is, you do feel like they are pitching it in that direction. Anyway, okay, so anyway. it's basically their Ammonite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And actually there's less pauses. <laughs> <laughs> there's dialogue there's dialogue, there's dialogue in, this in this one which i was pleased to see but it is you know look, it is still that thing that i think really from my point of view i feel a bit like it feels like a sunday afternoon you're watching the waltons mm. and there's a little bit of lesbian sex in it that's kind of how i sort of feel about it <laughs> on which note earlier i i felt that whenever i would draw close to you you would retreat and that if i kept still you would return but you'd stay at a distance like those sparrows that stay in the farm you and won't come into the house that's not how i feel how do you feel that when i was in school the teacher had me read cordelia to an older boy's king lear near the end of the play the king and his daughter are imprisoned but he views it in a positive way come that's a way to prison, he says. We two alone shall sing like birds in a cage. Hot. Right, so let me uh, let, let me just break down my experience watching this film for you. First oh, of all, I love this. 
I absolutely loved this. Did not expect to. Saw the poster, thought, oh, great, Catherine Waterston. This is going to be a rollicking time. Yay. And then, of course, I started watching it. And it starts off, and it's this dark, somber, grim, dull, boring, insightful, voiceover-driven, my life was terrible. We Mm -hmm. spent each day by the crook. And then these weird people moved in next door. And they had a hot wife. And then, of course, the energy picks up a bit. And then you get to the next bit, right? the energy picks up again. And as they, as they start to come out of their shells, as this sort of forbidden romance allows them to unfill, it's literally, it, it's kind of like watching The Father. It seems like the actual forest itself comes to life around. I know this is obviously a stylistic, very deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. The forest itself not only actually flourishes around them, but also stylistically, visually, even just color palette, just broadens out yes. around them. And the yeah. energy picks up. And even the other characters around them start to liven up because, of course, we're viewing this all from their perspective. So that makes complete sense. I thought this was great. By the end of it, I even enjoyed Catherine Waterston. I never I thought I would enjoy Catherine Waterston in anything. Think, I find you, Catherine Waterston so bleak. Yeah, but do you think that that's because we know that Ammonite was so bad that anything's going to be better? And this has got more life to it, better performances, <laughs> better setting. It's got, a, you know, a better intensity. Like, I wouldn't say this is a great move. This, to me, felt look and felt, even with the energy picking up, it just looked and feel, mm. felt like a Sunday afternoon movie that I would have watched you know, from the 70s. Don't get me wrong. In terms of something I could pitch it towards, I would actually pitch it towards someone who enjoyed Brokeback Mountain because I think there is a Mm. a very strong comparison for the two. When you look at the setting and you look at the forbidden nature of the relationship and you look at the fact, even though Brokeback is a bit more contemporary, it's obviously not current day, but it is 1990s, is it? I think it's early 90s, isn't it? Um, I would say it, it, it's something that works for that same sort of a film, that same kind of a, a relationship-driven hills. drama. Yes, yeah. it has. Well, in that way that Brokeback Mountain is not necessarily a Sunday afternoon film, necessarily, but you could say, okay, with the pacing of this, maybe I would enjoy it on a Sunday afternoon. Yes, absolutely, I would give it to that. However, I would say if you're the kind of person that can enjoy Brokeback Mountain as a 9pm on a Tuesday night film... Don't get me wrong, I know I can. You'd enjoy this as well. Yeah, I think that's a good take on it. And I think for me, I like Brokeback Mountain to a point and, you know, it doesn't it it doesn't overly float my boat more than you'd expect it to. I'm not like fanatical about it. And I think this movie has those similarities. I think the setting for me, just generally, the time frame and stuff, I don't find that int- I didn't want to look I didn't want to be in the Midwest in the eighteen sixties. Mm. Like it wasn't really that kind of exciting for me to watch but i take your point i get it but i also think you're enjoying it because you've got vanessa kirby having a nice little romp (laughs) fair welcome back to off screen so from a romp with vanessa kirby i think Van Connor might have just recovered um, and he's back in here with us. He's going to talk us through what well, I've, I've not heard of this. Bye bye morons. It's a foreign language Go- film, isn't it? 
It, it is a French film. I'm just right. going to say, I, I emailed uh, our mutual acquaintance, Jake, at Curzon, to ask him for a screening link for this and did not think about the fact that I was sending him an email in which the subject line simply read, bye-bye, morons, <laughs> and then realised that sans context, that's a hell of an email to send. True, yeah. um, Right, so this is the latest film from writer, director, producer, actor, Al- Albert Dupont. Pontel, who also stars here as as the co-lead alongside, you have to forgive me my names on this, uh, Virginie Afira. Uh, Virginie Afira is uh, Suze, a dying woman, a sort of middle-aged dying woman. She looks an awful lot like Bonnie Hunt, actually, if I'm being really honest. She made me fondly miss Bonnie Hunt, just okay. to see, oh, Bonnie Hunt, I've seen you in ages. Anyway, uh, she's a terminally ill woman who kidnaps a City Hall employee. <laughs> to aid her, like a bureaucrat, to aid her in this quest to track down the son she gave up for adoption in her teens. And along the way, they sort of accidentally kidnap a a blind file clerk, a file archivist, to drag along for the ride. It's... I, I can only describe this as what you'd get if you asked, like, Spike Jones to direct Philomena. Or, or <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's something like Ed, Edgar Wright. If you asked Edgar Wright to do Philomena, that is literally what you would wind up with here. This thing is bonkers. It is just dark and nuts and weird. And at the same time, so just unflinchingly charming and disarming and, and absolutely just captivating. And it really really drags you along on this frankly bizarre romp of okay. sorts just it, it's like is it, nothing is it typically else. french i wouldn't describe it specifically as typically french its okay. sense of humor is it's quite an absurdist comedy its sense of humor is mm. it is that spike jones edgar wright absurdism Okay. That okay, it, it's still our world, but we sort of we're all working from the same place. She okay, I get how oh, that works. That's fair, that's fair. But no, I thought this was great. It does not go where you think it will either. Like you think, okay, I think I know what movie this is going to be, and then it sort of pivots a little, and then again it pivoting. And at one point, this is a matchmaking rom com. It's it's all over the shop, but it somehow all works, and it just wins every time. By the end of this, I came away, I was just utterly charmed. And just, for non for yeah. non subtitle aficionados is this Hmm. easy to follow i'm talking about is this like parasite easy to follow because it keeps you so entertained you're just completely engrossed i i would say that because the stylization of it is such that going i think you would need it to be subtitled just to sort of go along with kind of how wacky it is at times has the feel of uh Jean-Pierre Jeunet, if anyone knows that reference uh the guy directed uh young and prodigious t.s spivet about seven years ago, because the guy once upon a time directed Alien Resurrection as yeah. well. But like, you know, most importantly directed Delicatessen. I think like let's not have Kermode hang drawn core to me anytime soon. But yeah, uh, it reminded me of his sort of sense of humor at times. I think this is a really, really great movie. Right. I think and if you get the chance to see Bye Bye Morons, or I believe its actual title is Adieu Le Con. Um, <laughs> I prefer that title. <laughs> yeah, Adieu Le Con. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so I think because it, it feels fun to say. It's a very visceral yeah. 
title to say. So I feel like if you walked up to uh, you know your, your local art house and said, "We'll have two to adieu, Lacan," then at least you have the, the fun of being able to shout it out. Yeah, you'll yeah. feel cultured for, for having you know, they say that as well. Uh, but yeah, go to, go to your local Curzon, seek this out. You can also watch it at home because it's Curzon movie. They have the uh, Curzon at home, I think, uh, platform. Curzon yes. have their own yes. premium on-demand service as well. So I do recommend if you want a, a wacky, fun movie to watch at home, it's got bags of heart and job. Nice. Adieu le con. All right, well. Bye-bye, from, morons. We'll move on from that moron and you as a moron. Oh, do, or maybe do you know not- what? What? Do you know what though? I'll, here's a here's a comparison for you. If you were going to remake this in the English language, right? It's Steve Carell and Amy Adams. That that's oh, I like that combo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Steve Carell and Amy Adams star in this. Nice. Okay. Well, let's hope. Fingers crossed for for a Western remake then. <laughs> Maybe not, but if if it, if it has to be done, you know. Okay. Fine, 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 fine. Um, so let's move on um, to, I think, the big film of the week that a lot of people will be um, excited about. This is going to come out on Amazon Prime. And mm-hmm. um, this is uh, Jolt, right? Which Jolt. Um, it is Jolt, yes. It's Jolt. Um, I, it's definitely yeah, Jolt. Yeah, it's definitely... <laughs> it's so 100% star- most certainly and only Jolt. <laughs> right. Let's let's give you a little bit of background. So Kate Beckinsale stars in this alongside Stanley Tucci and also Jai Courtney as well. So those are your big names in this movie. She plays a woman who has a rare violent disorder, which means almost slightly superhuman. She's born faster than anyone else, um, stronger to an extent. She's like a millisecond ahead of everyone. It's- it's essentially hormonal, isn't it? She essentially yeah. has a hormonal imbal- imbalance that creates, I think it's, cor- I might be getting it wrong, cortisone or something like that. Yeah. That's your fight or flight reflex. And as, a, as such, it makes her superhumanly yes. bad tempered would be the way to, to phrase it, wouldn't it? But she, she's not like, she's not Incredible Hulk style at the mercy of it. though. No, no. But what she has been doing is going to therapy to try and curb this. And the way, like, medication hasn't worked, you know, all this kind of stuff hasn't worked. Therapy hasn't really worked, but it's helping to some extent. And that's where Stanley Tucci comes in. He's kind of a psychiatrist in this. And the way that she curbs this, and we did mention this on the last show, is that she has, like, yep. an electrode shock vest. So that every time she gets that slight impulse, i.e. at the very beginning of the film, you'll see a guy speaking to a valet and having a really big go at her and calling her a moron. Yeah, yeah. You see Kate Beckinsale envisaging herself thr- shutting this guy like arm in the or foot in the door and like slamming yeah. it and, and you know having those violent impulses all the way through mm. but the way she stops herself from actually doing that is by pressing a button that she has on a bracelet on her wrist that basically shocks her to stop her from doing that however it snaps I mean, her out of it effectively it snaps, it? Her, out it snaps but... her out of the the red haze or the the, the seeing red yeah. face yeah, but what she's finding is that she's doing it so often that it's actually starting to not work. And so she's in like despair about this. So mm. she then ends up going on this date with this guy played by Jai Courtney and completely falls head over heels after one night of passion with him um, and is expecting to see him on date two. She comes dancing into a psychiatrist's office saying, I'm cured, this is amazing. And then she finds out that he's been murdered and goes on a revenge fueled Rampage. It's not working. Okay, fix it. You're probably just building up a tolerance. No, I'm not. Look, this is cutting edge avant garde treatment. Okay, well, I'm sure you'll get the Nobel Prize once you're dead. Is that a threat? Can you fix it or not? All right. Okay. 
Your emotions must be running pretty high in order for you to override the system. Yeah, I have an unnaturally high level of cortisol, so my emotions are running high all the time. But you cannot keep using biochemistry as an excuse all the time. So I'm assuming that the date was a disappointment then? I mean, given that its primary function was to test if I could partake in a customary social situation without beating the out of someone, then yeah, I would say, yeah, it was a, it was a real disappointment. I think she's great fun in this. First of all, this is effectively a bare-bones three-star action film. This is essentially nothing more than uh, Peppermint or Atomic Blood, but it's got a few added value ingredients in there that do take it up from that three-star standard to an actual full-blooded four-star film. Um, there are the side, there are the, the sort of hapless cops that are hunting her along the way, played <laughs> by Bobby Carnavale and Laverne Cox, who might be the funniest use of that trope I've seen in one of these movies in Agreed. a decade, at least. And, You've and, got... And the funny, well, hang on, the funniest use of throwing babies. I'm just going to leave it out there. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even going to go to that. I wasn't even going to but, but you are the second person to bring it up in relation to this film. So I'm like, you know what? Clearly this is going to be the standout thing. Um, it is effectively, of all of these movies, it's the closest to what I've seen as a, an attempt to do a female Jason Statham movie, specifically, mm. because it's very close to Crank. It's very close to the mentality and the adrenaline-fueled sensibilities of the Crank movies. I will say this as well. Hats off to it. Massive hats off to it for someone actually doing one of these and actually focusing it on the female gaze because not only is this chock full of dialogue that I'm sorry, a woman if a woman didn't write, she pitched. Yeah. Because no, no man's coming up with that. Um, yeah. That that for a brief 20-minute period, as my mother walked through the room as I was watching the screening link, coerced him into actually sitting on my couch and being, okay, what is this? I'm going to have to watch this when it comes out. So, yes. Um, it also has a sex scene that can only be described as the single most female-focused guy-on-girl one of these that's been done in a long long time wow okay yeah someone some, someone's intimacy coordinator had a great time working on this just <laughs> all i'm gonna say yeah i look i had an absolute blast with this movie and i totally wasn't expecting it i kind of put it on in the background whilst i was watching, and then i put down what i was doing and was fun. completely focused it was so fun do you know what i actually thought there were elements of this that was a bit like nobody in a way again yeah but you, again you look at how those films you look at back to how crank for instance and those grind housey late 2000s actions yeah. bled into what would become john wick and nobody yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. all you're absolutely right it's all the same intrinsic DNA and also the the way the villains for instance are structured in this is quite nobody in John yeah. Wick isn't it? But I really loved Kate Beckinsale in this because she oh. was so like she's incredibly posh English accent like you've got that but she plays almost the subtle sarcasm really well like you'll see it really well done when she first meets Jai Courtney and she's mm. going on this first date and it's just the tete-a-tete that they're having with each other is really well Can done. Can I ask? Yeah. I think she's tremendous in this. I think yeah. she really... I think this is a terrific role for her to play. Like, yeah. I think this is what the Underworld character is meant to be like, but it yeah. kind of gets lost under all the nonsense. Do you think she is playing off of the perception of her own persona? Yes. Like, people think I'm like this anyway. You know what? I'm going to go and have yeah. fun. Do you think that's what... Is this is. Jennifer Aniston doing horrible bosses? Do you know what? I, I read an article. I think it was in the Sunday Times last week with um, with Kate Beckinsale. And she is a blast. 
she knows how to take them. She's a bit like Posh Spice in that way. She knows how to take the mm. mick out of herself and doesn't take herself too seriously. So Megan Sandler have to be. I mean, she was in all those Underworld movies. She was married to Len Wiseman. Yeah. She'd have to be a laugh to be around on some level. Yeah, 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 totally. And so yeah. I think she's done that comp- brilliantly in this movie. She's not taking it too seriously. Stylistically, it's fun. It keeps It's exactly what you want from an action movie. And I'm totally with you. You would think on the surface it's a three star, but actually it pushes it in a few different ways to push it to a four star. And it's like an hour and a half long, super, super easy to watch. There's a line of dialogue involving an Adam's apple in this movie that I am going to hold with me for the rest of my life. And I'm not even kidding. Uh, but no, very, very good. Can I ask? Because obviously we're both recommending this. It's on Amazon Prime. So if you are a subscriber, do check it out. For reals, though, the hardcore question here, Bex, does, does she out Charlize the big Theron? That's the question. Do you know what? I think she does. Welcome back to Off Screen, and we're taking you to the couch now for some freeview fun. So, movies on telly for the next seven days. So, we've got seven movies to talk through in, what, just over ten minutes? Maybe push to eleven. So, let's start them with Saturday Night, Miss Perfect. And on BBC One at 10.30pm, we've got an Oscar winner, haven't we? We do. I was going to say it's an awards darling, isn't it? Um, this is, I can't remember from what year it was an, an awards darling of. Um, what is it, 2016? It, it came out in 2017, so I assume it's 2018 that it hit mm, awards maybe. season. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's Ladybird, which we're talking about. Greta Gerwig um, and Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet and all the lovies, the hipster lovies that you all love on screen. Um, who's <laughs> the Booksmart, Booksmart lead? Uh, um, Beanie Feldstein. Beanie, Beanie Feldstein's Fel- in this as well. Yeah, as well. yeah. We've got her in this as well. And, and of course, think- Oscar nominee Laurie Metcalf as her mother. Yes, yes. Now, um, Saoirse Ronan basically plays an artistically inclined 17-year-old girl back in 2002 who is essentially just coming of age um, in her town in Sacramento in California. And it's kind of her trials and tribulations as she's growing up through high school being a little bit precocious, a little bit different, and very much, as I've just been told by Van Offer, that is the point. I want to go where culture is, okay, like New York, I raise such or at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, well, where writers live in the get woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You can't even pass your driver's test. Because you wouldn't let me practice The way enough. that you work, or the, or the way that you don't work, you're not even worth state tuition, Christine. My name is Ladybird. Uh, well, actually, it's not, and it's ridiculous. Call me Ladybird like Christine. you said you would. Just, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College, and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> I love that extreme example right there. I mean, <laughs> Laurie Metcalf in this movie, man. She's so good. I do also like Timothy Chalamet's casting as, as Manic Pixie Dream Boy uh, from uh, Inside Out because he does seem to be playing like Riley's dream date yeah. from, from Inside Out, totally. Um, I quite like Lady Bird. I think it's a really enjoyable film. Um, it's uh, one of those, like, like you say, I mean, I understand why some would take against it, why you don't personally enjoy it, but I would argue that it is the perfect encapsulation of a Greta Gerwig movie. It's yeah. also the only only one I like, strangely, but I think that might have more to do with it. It's just got there's a slightly breathier, a slightly more 
uh, cheerful, less into itself approach to this one than most of her work. See, I I really liked her version of Little Women because I thought it was fresh and new and a different take on it. And but I, I, as you well know, I don't love it as much as the Winona Ryder version. But I thought it was good for what it was. This for me, I just really struggle with really precocious characters and watching them for too long on screen. And Saoirse Ronan just grinds my gears a little bit in this and I love her in most things it's just on this one maybe not I don't love her in Ammonite but on this one I think she was good she was just well, getting under my skin a bit from, from precocious then to oh straight up pretentious son let's talk about Connor for real for real on uh, film four at five past eleven on, is it five I think it is five past eleven on film four on Sunday night one of my favorite movies ever mm-hmm. and i will genuinely make the argument this is what are probably the best comedy of the last half decade it is 2016's pop star never stop never stopping or as i often refer to it this generation's this is spinal tap yeah which you, you've got to be a fan as well of this one yeah yeah, yeah. i am i am and like it's andy sandberg isn't it um yeah, know, yeah. Well, it's, it's the entirety of the lonely island it's all three of them yeah i i uh, I've, I've started watching brooklyn Nine, 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 Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine, nine, nine. nine yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I kind of got into kind of the whole love of Andy Samberg. So I am kind of, I get it. I think I'm going to rewatch it again because now that I kind of get that humor and it's more something that I'm interested in, um, more so to rewatch this because I was like, it was a good film. I'm not like singing from the rooftops about it like you are, but it was, it was fun. I, I, I had a ball with it. I think uh, you know the the line about thirty seconds to Mars uh, is the name of a band, not an actual uh, you know destination, no actual journey plan. I think that's one of the funniest gags uh, I've, I've heard in a movie for some time. There's a lot in this that I, I endlessly refer back to, and the soundtrack. I still listen to the soundtrack even independent of the film. Um, I can't recommend highly enough that you check out Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. It uh, did very little. Uh, at the box office got pretty good reviews uh from critics in the u.s kind of indifferent ones in the uk um which still antagonizes me to this day but uh, do check it out it is a genuinely phenomenal film and andy sandberg is terrific in it if you're a fan of the lonely island this is literally their feature film spin-off this is their tenacious d in the pick of destiny it's just absolutely brilliant and leads us nicely on then to uh, a very different well, doesn't lead us nicely on at all to a very different much scarier film on Monday night on Film Four at nine PM. It's Steven Soderbergh's Unsane. Did you did you review this with me when it came out, Bex? It's only a couple I, of years I, ago. You know what? I don't. I, well, I haven't seen it, but I remember you talking about this. And when I saw it pop up again, I was like, "Oh, it's one of Vans." <laughs> This was Steven Soderbergh, you know, directing. It's Claire Foy, who's sort of accidentally in a mental hospital. She's been, like, ment- you know, psychologically abused by this stalker, and she sort of gets herself in for treatment, and they wind up, like, perverting the system, as does actually happen, and keeping her against her will. And then, of course, the stalker seems to work there, or does he? Is she losing her mind, or isn't oh, she? Just what is going on? There's been some kind of mistake. Your name is Sawyer Valentini. You know that already. By signing this, you've consented to voluntary commitment for 24 hours. No. The council said the form's a routine. You signed it. Look. You're just doing your job. And uh, you've been so considerate of my feelings and my well-being. And you're right. I signed those papers. 
I'm here by my own volition. It's for my own good. Can I ask, do you think I can just make a phone call just to let my family know that I'm okay? Let them know where I am. You get a phone call. That's allowed. Oh, you're so nice. Really twisted, this one. I, I, if you didn't say it, it's really good. Yeah, I was going to say, this got quite good reviews, didn't it? Yeah, and it was it, it was filmed on iPhones, I think. And this yeah. is one of Soderbergh's iPhone experiments. I, I think he was a very big fan of, like, Tangerine, having done it, Sean Baker having done it on Tangerine at one point as well. So he was interested in using iPhones as hand, as actual handheld, you know, recorders. And interesting, interesting experiment. It does work. It's nice to see Claire Foy doing something different as well. But, uh, well, one person we can't say was doing anything different was Mike Myers in 1997. God, I remember going to the cinema and seeing this on opening night. Open the same night as the full Monty, would you believe? Wow. That cinema, that Odeon in Sheffield Town Centre, you could not move for middle-aged women and you were choking on perfume. But it was worth it just to see Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, which is showing on Great Movies at 9pm Bex, the first Austin Powers. Do you know what? This, this didn't do that well at the box office and then became a massive cult hit. It was a it was a, it was a hit on video. It was yeah. a huge yeah. smash on VHS and I think Laserdisc as well. Yeah, and it yeah, wound up creating a precedent that we now refer to as the Austin Powers effect. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's brilliant. And do you know what? In a week where Jeff Bezos flies <laughs> up into space and you are it flooded. looks like a giant. <laughs> hey, is that Johnson? Um, nuts, grab your nuts. Um, Wang, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of perfect timing for this to be out in the yeah. cinemas, but um, yeah, it, that for me is um, it's I could watch this again and again. I I feel like it's it encapsulates nineties bonkersness in one. Like it is perfect that it was out in the nineties. I think the first one is genuinely underappreciated for how just straight good a comedy it was. And obviously mm. everything that became iconic about it really spun out of the second movie. And yeah. that's why you have that third one, which really doesn't work very well at all. It feels quite convoluted and, and, and incoherent. It's at the same time, like overloaded, but at the same time with nothing to say. The, the first one, though, is a genuinely brilliant film. And I think Mike Myers deserves all the props in the world yeah. for his his work on that first one, not only obviously as the as, as the character, but also as the writer of it, as, yeah. as the, it's the, know, little the, the brain behind it. It's the little things. It's like when he's driving and he gets himself uh, <laughs> yeah. caught between two walls and he just keeps going back and forth. It's such clever, easy slapstick gags. And it kind of brings us back to a bit more of a more simple time mm. of comedy that we know from like the Morecambe and Wise and the kind of, you know, that kind of era. It's that kind of uh, very innocent humour, in a way, that is brought yeah, out. That is, that is the direct uh, the direct influence, by all accounts. But yeah. And also, the role Elizabeth Hurley was born to play, <laughs> yeah. surely, like, is, is Mrs. Kensington. The ultimate Fembot, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, anyway. Right, so. Let's on go then on. to uh, Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. On on five star nine pm. This one I think is remembered more for the song than the movie. Dangerous Minds is on Bex. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, the song by Coolio. This is on um, on five star at uh, nine pm, and uh, it's. Do you know what I do love this movie? Because again, it's like nineteen ninety five. It's that kind of epitomizes that time. It's you're looking at it and you go, oh, it's edgy, it's different. Coolio's song comes out, everyone knows the lyrics. It's it, it, it was like a movement in itself. This movie. 
Well, it was based on, I think, uh, it's based on an actual memoir. I think yes. uh, the, the lady that Michelle Pfeiffer plays her actual memoir. Uh, and obviously, it was the perfect confluence of the mid 90s. In the, by the mid 90s, Hollywood had had five years sort of post Boys in the Hood and movies like that, mm-hmm. where it had, it was trying to look for a way to commercialize the inner city gang culture. At the same time, what you had here was a successful, best selling memoir that played like Dead Poets Society. Yeah, yeah. With that infused. So it's kind of, it was, it was an, you know, an Oscar an Oscar producer's dream, this one. You then go and get the Coolio song, that then blows up. And obviously the song is more remembered now than the film is, but the film is still very good. Yeah. Another film that is remembered, though, um, <laughs> I would argue is remembered as like well for us. <laughs> well, remembered more for a slogan, boats and hose, as well as uh, the Catalina wine mixer, is uh, Snap Brothers on ITV4, 10pm on Thursday night. You know what? You know, you, everyone knows the concept of Step Brothers, whether they've seen the movie or not, it is two adult men who still live at home with their single parents. The parents get married, they are forced to move in together, and, well, it's John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. How do you think that plays? Let's play a game, all right? Mm-hmm. On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. Favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. Good, Good housekeeping. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John John Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. It's always the whole notes for you, isn't it? It is the whole notes. I do love the whole notes. Yeah, yeah. It's It's a classic. Good, fun movie. Um, And, you know, back in the heyday of... uh, you know, when Will Ferrell was getting it right pretty much every time, um, I think is is kind of where that sits. How um, dare you? I, for one, am looking forward to his reworking of A Christmas Carol for Netflix with Ryan Reynolds. Okay, let's move on. That's, a, that's an actual thing and that's happening. Uh, let's start then. Friday night, we've got... I would argue the best of all the Bond films, although I'm aware that anyone over 40 is going to come for me after that one. Um, it's GoldenEye. I'm with yeah, you. I think I... GoldenEye, I think, is the best Bond film. It's on ITV4. It's on Friday night. It's at 9pm. It's a classic. Who doesn't love it? it? It's got its own N64 game. Like, come on. <laughs> it's got an N64 game that they've been trying to hock for about two and a half decades since. Because how often does that thing get a sequel, a reboot, or, re- or a reissue? Yeah, exactly. So I I have to say, I love Pierce Brosnan as Bond. He's suave. Mm. He's, you know, this was a great sort of entry for him as Bond to come in. I, this is the one I remember out of his series as well, uh, uh, out of yeah. his stint as Bond. I don't, the rest of them, I, 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 I kind of can take or leave it, but I can always come back and revisit Goldeneye. That moment when he jumps off the dam, you know, to open it yeah. up. It's brilliant. It's so good, this film. Oh, so, so good. I will argue, though, my love of Michelle Yeoh kind of began with Tomorrow Never Dies. So I, I have deep love for Tomorrow Never It's also the only James Bond film that will ever star Gerard Butler. So, you know, there's that going for it. But uh, <laughs> now, Goldeneye, which, of course, has my hometown boy, Mr. Sean Bean, as its villain, has 006 turned, what, is he Yanis, I think, by the end of the, yeah. the movie? But And, of course, Alan Cumming, purveyor of the world's greatest named cosmetics line uh, as uh, as Boris Grishenko, the corrupt programmer. And, of course, it's the movie that introduced us all to uh, to, to Famke Janssen yes. as Xenia uh, as Onatop. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, weaponizing uh, my favorite method of murder in the entire James Bond canon. Absolutely how I want to go out. So, Goldeneye, Friday night, 
ITV4, 9pm. You think that's a good one to end the week on? I think it is. That was a good Friday night movie for you. So there you go. You've got a lot of choice this week. And when we come back, we're going to be bringing you some fantastic picks on streaming. Welcome back to Offscreen. We are rounding off the show with some big picks for you on streaming. And this, the first movie that we're going to talk about is uh, The Current War. This has an all-star cast in it. And I remember pre-pandemic and obviously mm-hmm. a couple of years before the pandemic, seeing posters for this everywhere on the tube. It, it that had big marketing behind it. This was going to be the big thing. Yeah. Like, it is fa- like, this is a fascinating monument, actually. Even if you don't like the film, it's fascinating to watch it, just to understand just how wrong the industry can be sometimes. And they thought they had stacked this one so tightly that there was not a chance that it wasn't going to be the big awards contender. Because, yeah. after all, they had, uh, they, had, they had Benedict Cumberbatch. He was a hot commodity in 2017. They had Michael Shannon. When's Michael Shannon not beloved? They even had an extra Spider-Man to hand. Spider-Man. Like Pete Spider-Man. Spider-Man. They had an extra extra Spider-Man in Tom Holland. You had Matthew McFadden just pre-succession, I think, at that point as well. Um, Just, just, yeah, Catherine Waterston. We were just talking about Catherine Waterston. You know, she was a buzzy commodity at the time as well. Nicholas Holt's in there. It's just, it has everything going for it. And it's the story of, you know, the race, the arm race effectively to invent electricity well not electricity but you know uh oh hang on what was it now it was uh was it direct yeah, current well. or alternating current i can't remember what it was now it was the uh, it was the it was the war between thomas edison and george westinghouse to see yeah. basically who would did who would decide whose platform would become the basis for the electrical grid effectively and seeing that you what can was going to power yeah yeah seeing that you can remember one name and not the other then kind of tells you, yeah, obvious. how that went, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, it, it's it's a period piece. It's designed as this sort of taut, competitive, prestige level thriller. I don't know though. Does it work? This technology is within your grasp. I can build you an efficient motor. Have you tried it? No. Look, in my head, it is nearly completed. They claim to have their heads full of sonnets and symphonies, but their only problem seems to be they can't quite write it down. Let me try. No, because I can't start again. I got orders from Michigan. I got a room full of press waiting for me. Do what you were hired to do. So you will not honor your word about the remuneration? What are you talking about? Well, you said $50,000. Are you unhappy with my contributions? I'm paying you $50,000? That was a joke. Thing I've just remembered about this that I'd absolutely forgotten. Nicholas mm. Holt is playing Tesla in this. Oh, and God. He's, he's not terrible at him, actually. He's not that bad. He's no David Bowie, obviously. Yeah. But that would explain how I subconsciously made that prestige leap in my head. But that is a, a good comparison. What, yeah, that is the big comparison, isn't it? The prestige. Mm. That's that's the big <clears> thing. You know, I was thinking, what is that Hugh Jackman one that we... Yeah. yeah. If you're going to do, do two guys, period piece, rivalry movie now, the prestige is just going to be there forever yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah. like doing it's like doing father and son and not having the great santini referenced yeah. it's just never going to happen certain films do become benchmarks yeah and nolan never gets the credit for having done that one yeah absolutely um so let's move on to well there's a big movie coming out in the cinemas next week but it's also coming out on disney plus premiere access as well and it's so like pirates of the caribbean this movie is based on a ride It is based on right, yes. Yes. So this is Jungle Cruise starring Dwayne The Rock, or should I say The Rock Dwayne Johnson? That's how I like to put it. Uh, And Emily Blunt. Um, And, 
yeah, it's, uh, I suppose, just a big adventure on a cruise. Do you not know what this actually is? No, because I'm not here next week, so I was like, I'm oh. not really <laughs> looking into it. Dwayne Johnson and Juan Cole Serra, the director of, you know, The Shallows and movies like that, you know, non-stop movies like Liam Neeson and all Irish movies, they have teamed up and they have effectively remade The Mummy. Oh, with with him in place as the Brendan Fraser sort of figure, mm. played a little bit more Michael Douglasy, I would say, than Brendan okay. Fraser's. Uh, the Rachel Vice role has been filled by Emily Blunt, and the uh, John Hanna role is being played by Jack Whitehall. Oh, and the God. story, yeah, the storyline effectively is that Jack Whitehall is dying of some illness, and the only thing that will cure him is I think <clears throat> some rare. A rare South American flower, orchid, or something like that. That only he, only he can guide them down. He's a jungle cruise operator. Only he's crazy and corrupt enough to take them down the river to find. And there's all the supernatural gribbly gobblies that come out along the way. And there's a pirate hunting them as well. It, it it looks like fun. It looks like good, solid fun. It looks yeah. like the kind of absolutely the kind of thing Dwayne Johnson should be doing. And the yeah. kind of thing he does, he does best. Give it up to for you know the Rock. He absolutely knows his brand. Yeah, and also, do you know what? I I always think that Emily Blunt makes really good decisions. So I am, you know, although I don't know a lot about it, I'm still looking forward to catching it at some point because it you that it, the trailer is a lot of fun. It's big. It's that it's that one you want to see in the cinema. Although it's great to have that option on Disney Plus uh, Premier Access as well. Mm. Well, that's the thing. That's the, the big gamble there. And Dwayne Johnson himself has posited that them taking this action has been about safety and about making sure that everybody around the world can enjoy it simultaneously, oh, which God is me. fair because Dwayne Johnson is very big on the international audiences and he plays so well overseas. Like They love him in China. So yeah. it, it would seem ridiculous not to day and date this one as much as humanly possible. Um, how's I think this looks like a good time and being on Premier Access can... I mean, I hope it works out for it better than Black Widow has, which has been the source of some ire. But alas, it is not the only thing coming to Disney Plus, though, on Friday the 30th. Two movies that you and I have a, an affinity for, we shall say, comedies of a defining talent of the 80s and 90s none other than mr charles estefez charlie sheen himself it's hot shots and its sequel hot shots part de fun fact did you know that charlie sheen was also up for the role of maverick in top gun opposite Tom i've Cruise? heard that yes mm. i did they, and... they were up for everything they the yeah. two of them were up yeah. for everything at the same time yeah so it doesn't surprise me but some the Hot Shots Part Deux is one of those movies that I actually go, do you know what? I really love the sequel almost more than I love the original. Oh. You know why? You know why you like the sequel more than the original? Why? And we'll see. We'll see if our clip illuminates this this further for you. It's because the sequel plays better in 2021 than it did when it was released in 1993. Topper, Colonel, good to see you again. Yeah, you too. You wanna? Tell me about it. Well, they let me live here. I help out fixing things. It's peaceful, quiet. No one is allowed to talk. And that dim sum fighting in the warehouse yesterday? I just do that for the extra money and to satisfy my male cravings to kill and win. Uh, Colonel, who are they? She's CIA. The other man's an extra. Uh, 
gags about mental health and toxic masculinity and, and actual, you know, meta-narrative filmmaking. That man over there, he's just an extra. Don't worry about him. I love that. Yeah. But uh, do you I, think, I think... Do you think this would be made today? Do you think this could be made today, this movie? I would argue that on something like Netflix, you probably could. But yeah. the, death, the death of the spoof movie, post-scary movie, has been talked about a lot in recent years, and you, you yeah. don't run out of, of Den of Geek and you yeah. know uh, Den of Geek and, and and Hollywood Reporter, you know, think pieces about the death of the spoof, and you know the post scary movie ones do get the hate for that. I mean, Seth Green famously uh, came out railing against them once upon a time, and for Seth Green to do that is quite rich when you consider what Robot Chicken has become in recent years. But yeah, this the spoof movie back when it was about gags and less about in-jokes and referencing does start to falter around the millennium. And the Hot Shots movies were surprising in that they never spawned a third one. Yeah, particularly. I actually but I think, quite like that. I think that's yeah, a good thing. Yeah, no one, no good one you don't need to push it too much. It just, they're perfect, I think. I was just always shocked that we never got a War on Terror one out of them. It just seemed like, but then again, I would argue that by that point, we'd become a little bit too politically correct, I yeah. think, to get away with, with more of these. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd argue Charlie Sheen would uh, would probably want one if, if they came and knocked him. would want any job, chucking, wouldn't he, at the moment? I think if they were chucking the money at him. Yeah. <laughs> but, ah, uh, oh, Chuck, we miss you, buddy. We miss you. Hashtag yeah. Tiger Blood. Hashtag winning. Right. Speaking of winning, let's. Go. You're on vacation now, I am. and uh, and I'm I'm off to review some some suiciding some suicide squads and some some jungle cruising. Oh, and, and I'm going to get old first as well. So yeah. and that's worth noting as well. Next week will be the will be the show I do the day before my birthday. So I'll I'll get to watch. It's a shame I'm not reviewing old on my actual birthday. That would have been quite fitting. Well, there uh, we never well, mind. Well, we'll see how old you get. And if you get any older as a result of watching this movie, like maybe that's the thing. That's why they keep oh, it quiet. It's so bad it ages you. What about that? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh God, if it is bad, if it is bad, every review is just going to be a spin on that, isn't it? So, so bad I actually felt myself aging. Oh, yeah. that's going to happen, isn't it? Wait and no see what the does. wait and see what the headlines are. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking that as my pull quote. Right, okay, so all that's come and more next week off the screen, but not for a fortnight for Miss Perfect. No, I look forward to seeing you refreshed and relaxed in a couple of weeks. So you come back with a town. No one is. Uh, what from Sunny Wales? Not sure. Sunny Wales, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but listen, have a great time. I'm a bit excited to watch Suicide Squad at some point, um, but I, I'll be interested to see what you think of it. And I will catch you guys for more movies uh, in a couple of weeks. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>